I want to see what that dad bot can do out there. I manhandle that little baby. Welcome. Good morning. It's football under the rough words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. I'm joined by Zach Lyons, and Michael Herden, and the three of us are brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come over there and check us out. And we're happy to be here, even though the end of this podcast can be a little sad because you know by now that we're losing Michael. Michael has decided to quit because he's going to be an astronaut. It's really weird. They're going to have to fold his ass in half and stuff him in a capsule, but he's going to have to figure that out. No, but in all seriousness, Michael is leaving. We were going to discuss that at the end of the show and tell him goodbye in a very awkward and awful manner that he has to sit there and just deal with on his final recording. Zach, how are you today? Uh, doing good, doing good. Uh, got new doors installed in some of our house yesterday. Guy cut his finger on a saw, bled everywhere, and then uh, Huxley, I guess, jumped off something or did something, and then he started bleeding, and it was bleeding all over our couch. So, it's a, you know, just blood everywhere, blood and chaos. Zach's living in the set of Silent Hill. <laughs> it is wild. It's like a scene from Dexter. I, I wish everything was wrapped in uh, plastic wrap, apparently. Michael, how's retirement? Yeah, so speaking of blood everywhere, um, (laughs) (laughs) when I was in uh, living in Texas, um, and this was when my wife and I were just like, just dating, she had come down to Texas to visit me. Um, I had a Labrador retriever who uh, had a very waggy tail and he bust the blood vessel on the tip of his tail uh and and this was the first time this has ever happened but we came home from dinner um one night and the we walked in my apartment and it looked like a murder scene like i kid you not there was blood like all over the walls like in in like a spray pattern just like lines of blood like crisscrossing the walls and i'm like <laughs> i'm terrified because i'm like did someone get murdered in here while i was i didn't live with anyone mind you like i was the only resident only person with a key so i was like freaking out and then i see uh nash my dog walk up to me and i'm looking and i see his tail wagging and there's just blood flying off of it and it's like he's just like a jackson pollock painting uh on the wall but with only red uh and it was it took us hours to, to scrub it off the wall because he had wandered around the whole apartment the whole time we were gone, wagging his tail and flinging <laughs> blood everywhere. And so I had to make shift some sort of tape thing at the tip of his tail to keep the blood in until we could get him to a vet the next day. It was an unbelievable, unbelievable scene like to walk <laughs> into. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm sure you guys had a few brews. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, at dinner. So you, you're you're coming in, you're a little like you're drunk, you're tired, and then you got to scrub and you're sobering up through like three hours of cleaning up blood. Yeah, it, it wasn't like the way and like, you know, I hadn't seen her in a while and like she'd come like it wasn't the way I wanted the night to end. Let's just say that, <laughs> you know, Man, that's the worst when you're like you're tired and you're going to deal with something like that, especially <laughs> especially something that you don't expect, like. My dog is fire hosing the apartment down in blood. It was not pleasant. It was not zero out of 10 would not recommend. Is this the way you, is this the way you thought your final podcast was going to go? Fire hosing in blood. I was hoping. Yeah. We're just going out in a blaze of glory. 
that's exactly what we want out of you. We want to blaze of glory. We want you to fire hose fans. We want you to just burn all the bridges. Um, <laughs> all right, let's let's start with the Titans preseason game. Um, twenty three to three. Uh, thank you, Michael, for talking about hammering the under because I hammered the under and that worked out. Um, I know it's you know by the by the time we're recording this, it's Wednesday, so people have already hammered this game to death. But I gotta have starting with you, Mike, your take on just. Overall, on the defensive side, how'd you feel about what you saw on defense? I mean, I felt great about it. I, you you got to couch it, of course, with the – it was the Falcons' backups and and all that mess, and the Falcons also are learning a new scheme and and things like that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little bit of a mess for them right now, but it's hard not to like what you saw from the Titans' defense. They were winning one-on-one battles, you know, you – I've watched this game a couple times now, and and you know you can't take your eyes off Rashad Weaver. He's just blowing up everything. Um, he was fantastic. Tier Tart was great. Um, Trevon Coley was really good. Uh, Larell Murchison, I thought, stood out on second watch. Um, he had a really nice split of a double team that that was um, really impressive work by him. Uh, you know the front was fantastic, and they limited the Falcons to 21 net passing yards for the entire game, 21. It's unbelievable. And I know like people were saying, Oh, AJ McCarron. Oh, you know, Felipe Franks. That's fine. But these were the Titans backups doing this to AJ McCarron, who, you know, has been a backup in the league for a long time, has more experience and everything than Logan Woodside, who, you know, was able to move the ball well against the Falcons defense. So, Look, you got to give these guys credit for what they did. They they came out, they they whooped some ass, and it looked good. I mean, it was uh, very impressive um, all around. David Long was outstanding. You couldn't hardly tell what was going on with the secondary because the ball was almost never thrown downfield. And, of course, with the crappy TV angles where you can't see any of the receivers or the corners or the safeties after, like, you know, point point two seconds after the ball is snapped – um, you know, you can't even really see those like those guys. I'm not sure we saw, you know, like Brady Breeze or any of these or Matthias Farley on the TV screen, besides when Breeze obviously got hurt. Um, at all because like the ball never went downfield because they didn't have time to throw it. It was uh it was like the exact opposite of the Titans uh 2020 defense experience. It was it was a lot of fun to watch. Oh my god, get- oh, just go watch the uh the NFL, you know. All 22? Oh, my bad. No, 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 never. Never again. For a guy that is retired to watch a preseason game multiple times over, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, why? I, I have a sickness. I have a sickness. I'm not, I mean, look, it's it's one thing to watch it. Like, it's another thing to, like, watch it and write and clip and all that other stuff. But, yeah, I, I have an illness. I'm definitely going to watch almost every game twice. Every preseason game twice. Mike, I yeah. didn't make it through this entire preseason game. I, by the end of the fourth quarter, I turned it off and was you know, watching another preseason game. I don't really have a lot of shit to talk on that one. This, this is why I have to quit. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I, I do. I want to talk about the offensive side of the ball. Again, we're talking about backups, but any surprises, anything you're, you know, my, I go to Darrington Evans is my kind of, like, bro, what are we doing? But um, what on the offense side did you like or not like? I mean, it, it was kind of what we talked about all week, kind of like 
you know, what we wanted to see from the defense, this is kind of what we expected, right? Uh, porous line, you know, it was letting people all the way through. We, we still got a good read that Logan Woodside has better command of the offense and anything that Matt Barkley did was fairly easy, came easy for him. Like Mills Forrestall was wide open while Logan Woodside is squeezing the ball in some tight windows and doing a uh, over the shoulder, you know, uh, passes for touchdowns with, which require accuracy. Right. But you're right. Darrington Evans looked great until the injury happened. Uh, luckily it's just day to day and everything. Um, something to keep an eye on this week, but he looked great. I think the biggest surprise was, well, I got two. I got one is Mickey Sargent, which he's probably Mackay. destined for the Mackay. Whatever. <laughs> Learn to spell your name, I guess. We're getting into Listen. a Vizina situation yeah. again. <laughs> I mean, Vegetable trophy. Is it Mackay Becton or is it Mickey Becton? It's Mackay Becton. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard anybody call him, uh, <laughs> say his name. I've only read the name. I've never heard the name. So, you know, you it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he looked great, but he's destined for the practice squad, right? I mean, let, let's be honest here. He, he, we can't fall in love with these guys. It's how you get Jeremy McNichols on a team. And Jeremy McNichols looked awful. And Makai is uh, going to be heading to the practice squad. But it was a nice little story, right? You know, in these preseason games, it's nice to have these stories. But I thought he looked really good really fast. He does have an opportunity ahead of him. I I. Don't think he has much competition besides Brian Hill to get that third running back spot if they decide to keep three. Um, but he, he looked okay. The The biggest surprise was that everybody's uh, darling wide receivers, all the hype surrounding Racy McMath, all the hype surrounding Marcus Johnson. And then, you know, of course, everybody that defended Des, the Des Fitzpatrick pick those guys showed up zero catches, zero yards. I mean, give me a break. I, I like everybody fell into the trap that, Oh, these wide receivers can really do something and blah, blah, blah. They are who they are. And, you know, Marcus Johnson still has a chance to probably make this team, you know, he'll probably, you know, get 200 yards like he has his whole career. And that's fine. He's a, he's a fourth or fifth wide receiver, but let's be honest here. It's Chester Rogers was the guy on this offense and he was the guy on the punt returns. It's clear that Chester Rogers making this team not clear. Who's going to fill out the rest of the, the wide receiver court because right now, if I had to say, I'd say Mason Kinsey and Nick Westbrook Aquina would be your round them out. And Marcus Johnson, uh, who is supposed to be the next uh, Julio Jones, Racy McMath, who is also supposed to be the next Julio Jones, and Des Fitzpatrick, who is also supposed to be the next Julio Jones, I don't think are going to make it right now. If, he, if they did cuts today and had to get down to 53, I'm not sure those three guys make it. Wait, which which three? Marcus Johnson, Des Fitzpatrick, Racy McMath. Marcus Johnson is on this team if they cut today. Yeah, if they 100%. cut today, you think after his 100%. performance of not doing anything, I mean, he played like three snaps. They, no, he, did. he was yes, he did. He no, was he played like with, twenty something snaps. He was he was out there with the starting group. He him he was out there before Josh Reynolds, by the way. Um, and he came off very quickly. It was not very, a very long uh, showing for Marcus Johnson. So yeah, I, I don't think you should be worried about him now. Des coming in as the very last receiver to get on the field behind Fred Brown. That is a huge warning light. 
light and the comments that Brable made about, you know, needing to see a lot from him and, you know, just his face when he said it uh, in that press conference uh, to get more snaps is, should be very alarming to Des Fitzpatrick and anyone who wants him to make this team, because I would have Des Fitzpatrick firmly off of the 53 as it stands right now, um, if they had to cut down today, but yeah, I'm not worried about Marcus Johnson. I'm not really worried about Josh Reynolds. You know, I was glad to see they put him out there to, to get some snaps. Um, you know, it's, I think those first guys, they were, they were barely on the field. Like the, the majority of these snaps went to McMath. They went to Kinsey. They went to, um Batson and uh Fred Brown and and guys like that a little bit further down the depth chart. Yeah, I got my snap um, count messed up. How many how many did Johnson end up having? He, he ended up having nine. Yeah, nine nine snaps. So and I mean they might have thrown the ball two or three times in that nine snap sample. So um it's yeah I, I don't think you should be worried about that. The fact that he was out there with the starters I think is telling about where he is in that rotation right now. Um, and I, I think he's going to make the team. I, but wasn't that out of a necessity for him to be with the starters? Like, who are you really going to put at the starting position not at really. that point? I mean, they, they could put Nick Westbrook, Nick Westbrook Aquino, who was on the team last year, Cam Batson, you know, guys like that who have been out here, um, you know, with this team previously. Um, I, Johnson is – Well, me, NWI was the other starter across Marcus Johnson. Okay, yeah, and, and over Reynolds, you know, and Reynolds also played and could have been out there with the starting group. But, but we knew that was going to happen. We we didn't even know if Josh Reynolds was actually going to start or even play in the game because of his injury. It was just more of a, hey, we'll just get your feet wet. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think it is notable that Johnson was in there over Reynolds with the starting group. They could have just put Reynolds out there for the first few snaps to get his feet wet either way. But I, I don't think it's a huge deal. It's not a federal issue either way, but – um yeah, I think the wide receivers were fine. Kinsey obviously stood out. Um, you know, Batson made some catches, and then you had Forrestall out of the tight end group that uh, made some grabs and looked looked pretty good doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Titans didn't throw the ball a ton. Um, McMath was a little bit disappointing to me because not only like I felt like he was having trouble getting open uh, in the game, um, but then also he didn't really. I watched him on some of the punt gunner stuff he, he, he missed a tackle out of the first punt and, and he and he got blocked out of bounds a couple of times he just didn't look that great so i think the the shine came off of mcmath just a little bit in this game and you know he might edge nick westbrook Aquino back ahead in that kind of race for the six wide receiver spot that'll be mostly a special teams role but you know also a backup kind of situation i think you might nudge him ahead of McMath at the moment. So I guess if I had to cut right now, I would have obviously AJ Julio uh, and then I'd have Reynolds and Johnson and then I'd have Rogers and uh, NWI. And that, that would be my six. No Mason Kinsey. I know Mason. I just think Kinsey and Rogers are this are fighting for the same role. And I think you've got to pick one. I, I don't think you end up taking two uh, with those two. Racy McMath played the most snaps out of all the yeah. wide receivers, 38, and Fred Brown was second with 30, which yeah. he got two targets, zero catches. Well, and he should have had an easy catch if he just dragged his foot and he didn't. Um, Fred Brown's going to be cut. I mean, there's zero yeah. doubt about that. So I guess but, the last thing I've got to bring up as we kind of transition away from this game, we're going to go into talking about 
you know, the, the five, the article that Zach has up about the five takeaways going into um, Tampa Bay and the joint Tampa practices is what, what the hell is going on with Des Fitzpatrick? Does he have a chance of being cut? I mean, it's his number of drops in practice and in, in front of everyone, including the cameras the other night at uh, the Titans practice at the stadium is alarming. And you alluded to Mike Vrabel's comments on Des Fitzpatrick, which was not, not great reading between the lines for the little that Mike gives you. Mike, what's up? What's, what's, what's going on with this guy? I mean, he hasn't stood out in camp. Um, you know, I, I thought, here's the thing. He looked pretty good. He looks good physically. Like he's a big receiver. He, he looks the part of an NFL receiver. Um, it, going through drills, he often looks pretty good. Like he's, he's clearly done a lot of work as a receiver before. Um, going through drills, has, has good feet and stuff like that. But when the pads came on and when, you know, we really got into, you know, one-on-ones, he just, he doesn't get open very much when he does get open or when he's thrown the ball on a contested catch situation, he has not been good with contested catch making. Um, and, you know, he, he's just, he struggles to separate and he struggles to make contested catches. That's a really bad combination. Um, and I, I think, Right now, he's in his head a little bit now um, because that that clip that everyone saw from Paul Kaharski, uh, you know, of him dropping the pass on the out route against air uh, in the Nissan Stadium practice. I mean, that that's a catch you should make 10 times out of 10 as an NFL receiver. Um, and I think it's a confidence thing now. I think he's in his head. I think Vrabel's comments, you know, have him shook a little bit. I think he's realizing his roster spot isn't safe when he probably thought, you know, going into it that he was going to make, make the team as a, you know, high fourth round pick. Um, yeah. I, I think he's got a little bit of the yips and, you know, we're seeing some of the stuff that, you know, we were concerned about when he was drafted and, and that's, you know, can he separate at the NFL level? Um, and, and it's not looking great for him right now. So. Well, you know, when he got drafted and I did this for all the, uh, the draft draft guys that uh wow i can't even talk to this morning uh all the rookies um that i set out pros and cons right what they're good at strengths and weaknesses and one of his weaknesses is mental errors and you you, you just see it i mean they're they're even trying to find a spot for him because if i'm not mistaken des fitzpatrick did a couple special team reps as well there i mean they're trying any which way to get this guy to find value in the pick that they ultimately wasted. <laughs> like, and they're going to give this guy a shot for two more weeks, right? They're going to do, he, he's going to survive to at least the last oh, yeah. cuts. Yeah. He'll, and they're not going to cut him. You know, they obviously weren't going to cut him yesterday. They're not going to cut him this next round of cuts. It'll be up until those last rounds, but right now it's trending in the wrong direction but it's the direction that you should expect for a player that was borderline undraftable. Him and Racy McMath are, are essentially were the same value among a lot of draft prospects. I do not care about what some Twitter account told heard from his dad. I do not care about daddy Fitzpatrick's opinion because it's obviously bullshit. And here's, what's going to happen. 
yeah, he's going to make it on a practice squad te- team. And I'm going to have to say this again because I feel like I've re- said this like three or four times now. He's if when he gets cut, because there's no way you could just keep him just because he's a fourth round pick. You and this team has proven that they'll cut bait if it's not working out. And it's just and and in all honesty, it is just a fourth round pick. Granted, it's a fourth round pick package with a fifth round pick, and you could have got someone else, but you didn't cut your losses. You can't just hang around for someone. When he gets cut, the Arizona Cardinals will probably pick him up. And they'll probably say, hey, what did you learn? Because we play them week one. We see it all the time. When when another team that you're playing cuts someone, you pick them up. And then he'll get cut again. And then he'll end up on someone else's practice squad, maybe even here at the Tennessee Titans practice squad. But this, if this guy cannot get over his yips and his mental errors, he's done for. And I will say this about Des Fitzpatrick, too. Even if he gets over it, what's to prevent them from coming back? It's mental errors, right? There is no, in this league, there is no room in a Super Bowl window on a roster for patience. You cannot give a roster spot to a guy that his whole career is mental errors. This would be like give, keeping a roster spot for Isaiah Wilson for two or three more years after they cut him. Instead of cutting them, just, oh, we'll be patient with them because we spent a first-round pick. We'll be patient with Kevin Dodd because we spent a second-round pick. There, there is no room for patience anymore in, in this league when you're in a Super Bowl window. And if you're one of those fans who wants to preach patience, oh, just give the guy a shot. He just needs more time. He's had time. He's been healthy all through training camp. He's had time in rookie meeting camp. He's had time to go out and practice. He's had All he has to do is catch balls, and he can't even do that. He has to win one-on-one battles. You have to win your one-on-one battles in the NFL to make it as a wide receiver. And he's not doing that. It's just not in a consistent enough basis at a pro level. He has two weeks to turn it around. Let's see what he does against better competition against in Tampa Bay and better depth as well versus the Atlanta game. But, I mean, if I'm betting, I'm betting this guy's not making the team. That would be my bet, too. And, look – it's not unheard of for fourth round picks to get cut before the, the end of their or before the beginning of their first season. I mean, that it, uh, I think the stat that I saw here was, uh, yeah, 8.6%. So, you know, close to one in 10 um, get cut before their first season. I mean, it, it happens. It's not a super rarity. Um, it's not like a first round pick or a second round pick or even a third round pick that are all much higher percentage to to make the, the roster. Once you get into day three, it is a little bit more of a dark throw. And look, I I thought at the time they should have taken Amon Ross St. Brown or Tylen Wallace. I preferred Tylen Wallace. Um, I still think those guys are better receivers than Des Fitzpatrick. And I think that's, you know, coming to fruition here. Um it, look, it's a bad, bad look for John Robinson. And, and hear me when I'm saying I I think John Robinson is a very good GM in general. I, he's built a roster that's, you know, prepared to contend for a Super Bowl, I think. And he's done a lot of good things for this football team. Um, he is one of the best GMs in the NFL. But the best GMs in the NFL have misses. And this is a bad look for him because not only did you trade up, uh, but you traded up to take this guy that, you know, most people – you know, I, I struggled to find anybody who had him, you know, anything more than like a sixth round or, or seventh round priority free agent kind of guy. 
Um, you know, he was in the thirties among the wide receivers on most draft boards. So, um, it, it is a guy that you traded up for that was a reach according to almost everyone. Um, and you kind of put your neck out there and said, you know, Hey, we think we see something in this guy that nobody else is right now. Um, and it, it looks like they're wrong at, at the moment. And that's, that's just a bad look. Now that doesn't negate the fact that they were extremely right on AJ Brown, that doesn't negate the fact that, hey, even if Racy McMath, uh, you know, struggled in this first preseason game for a six round pick, Racy McMath looks like pretty good investment right now. I mean, that that is a guy that you could see becoming an NFL wide receiver uh, and, and a you know key special teams guy. You can see what that might look like, and it may take him being on the practice squad for a year before he gets there. But it is. Um, it's a bad look. It is. It's one of his worst draft picks, in my opinion, unless, you know, we do see I'll, I'll leave the door open that we could see a, a huge turnaround from Des that maybe the light clicks on from him, you know, possible. It, but I think the, the odds are getting slimmer and slimmer with each day that we're just seeing terrible performances from him. Um, you know, at some point you've got to do enough for this team to trust you because, uh, you know, your fourth, fourth wide receiver, you know, fifth wide receiver probably isn't going to have to play a ton of snaps and may not even be active on, on most game days, but you know, what, what is he doing for you at that point? Um, and, and roster spots are going to be harder to come by this year with, with this Titans team and the depth that they have at other spots um, where you, you may just want to hang on to a, a, you know, an extra corner because, you know, Brown border is a good player. Um, yeah. I just think, it's it's going to be tough for Des to make the the roster at this point, and it's not going to be a surprise if he gets cut. And and specifically when you look at the odds were already stacked against him. First off, right he he was not a fourth round value, but even if he was, fourth round wide receivers are slim to none going to be competent wide receivers. Let, let me let me just break it down real quick. Uh, 57 from 2010 to this last draft, there have been 57 wide receivers taken in the first round or fourth round. Travis Benjamin, Josh Reynolds, Gabriel Davis. I mean, when you think of that list, that's about it. <laughs> like, that's how wild and hard it is for wide receivers like this to even be good, but even to even stick. And Gabriel Davis just had his, his one year. We don't even know what he is right now uh, long-term. You could add, oh Jameson Crowder was in the fourth round. I knew there was one I was missing. Jameson Crowder had a great career, but Des Fitzpatrick doesn't look like any of these guys. And some of these guys got their start on special teams, and he's not one of those guys that's going to be able to give you anything on special teams. So the odds were stacked against him anyway. But to be honest, it's okay. I mean, that's fifty-three other wide receivers that are either just traveling around from team to team or not even in the league anymore, and their teams we're not affected by it. Our team will not be affected by this fourth round pick hitting, hitting the uh, free agent pool. One, one other thing on this preseason game before we leave it, how interested are you guys that Rashawn Evans was coming off the field on third downs? Um, well, that that's my, one of the storylines to watch. And, okay. you know, for, for me this week is, you know, does that continue? Cause it was super interesting and, you know, I'm all about whatever makes this team better on third downs. And obviously having David Long and Jayon Brown there, that that's, makes us better. It's contrary to popular belief to all the fans out there who think Rashawn Evans is great. 
the Rashad, Rashawn Evans has got this big resurgence come in. Mike is going to have a Michelangelo painting. Um, so the Titans have traveled down to Tampa, some joint practices starting today, Wednesday. Is that correct? Yes. Um, yes. And then they play on Saturday, um, I think 6 p.m. So going off your article, Zach, that you've got up at Broadway Sports, um, and, and I really liked you started with this, uh, Rashad Weaver, I mean, hell, hell of a debut, just like you said, opening paragraph. Um, is this going to continue? Uh, and I'll give you the floor, Zach. Is it going to continue? I, I think it could because what you saw wasn't just a guy just beating, cash, beating a, hit a lesser opponent or a lesser style player. He was dominating. And that's what we talked about all last week was that we wanted to see guys dominate in the preseason lower competition because that's that's the only way you could tell if he was just yeah you know half a sack and he looked okay here and there and he made a couple stops it'd be a little bit different than what he, we actually saw Rashad Weaver do on the field and right now him and Wyatt Ray improved their stock the most um that out uh, out I was about to do it again offensive linebacker outside linebacker spot and it's good to see right it's encouraging and I think it's going to be good for him to get some competition in practice. He may not get get it in the game, right? Uh, obviously, Tampa Bay is probably not going to play a lot of starters, if any at all. But 11-on-11s is where everybody should focus their attention on to these players. What can Because that's when you're going to see the starters in Tampa and see the starters at the Titans is 11-on-11s. So when they put Rashad Weaver in, what can he do against, you know, Tristan Wirfs or these other guys that are the offensive line, what what can he do against that? And I think it's very important because Tampa Bay's backup looks offensive line looked like everybody else's backup offensive line. Not that great. So if Rashad Weaver is going to play against their backup offensive line in a game, that's probably not going to tell you as much as what you hear from practice reports about what he can do in 11-on-11 drills. And that goes for everybody that we talk about. I'm not necessarily interested in the game for the Tennessee Titans and for their outlook. And I'm going to watch it. Obviously I'm not gonna watch it two or three times just once, but I'm interested to hear about the practice reports about how they look in 11 on 11s. Yeah. And I, I will say that with 11 on 11s in the practices, it can be kind of tough to really get a great gauge because like you don't get the sacks of the quarterback. Like, you know, obviously they don't touch the quarterback, um, they pull up. And so it's sometimes hard to tell uh, what do you've gotten there? What do you have not? And all that stuff. But you can see if he's beating his his opponent one on one. I think he'll get a lot of attention from, you know, the Nashville media that's down there this week. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be uh, very interesting. And yeah, Weaver, like you said, was dominant. I, I mean, they could not block him to save their life. I mean, and, and we're talking about a guy too. Um, you know, what what was what round was Jalen Mayfield picked? Um, cause he was the guy second that, round, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, taken pretty high in the draft and uh, I mean, Weaver abused him. He was third, third round pick. Um, so third, but a high third, uh, like one of the first picks of the third round, it, Weaver absolutely abused that guy. I, I mean, abuse him. Um, and so it is, 
very encouraging to see that. And he's a different type of guy. I was also encouraged by the, the way that I saw the Titans using him. They slid him inside to rush on third downs. Um, so they had some packages where they had, uh, I think it was Derek Roberson and Ola Daney uh, with Weaver and Coley inside um, as the pass rush for some on third downs, which I really like that. And, and Weaver being able to slide inside, you know, he almost gives you some other options. I mean, you could even see situations where they might go super small and, and have like, you know, Weaver and Autry inside with Landry and Dupree outside or something like that. I mean, he's a, he's the type of guy that gives you a lot of versatility because he is strong. Uh, he has great length and he has the ability to hold up inside if, if they did try to run at him. Um, but he, he can definitely beat guards and, and deconstruct blocks and, and that kind of stuff. And yeah, very encouraged by Weaver. Um, and look, you know, it's kind of the thing with, with fourth round picks, right? You got one who looks like he's probably the last wide receiver on the roster right now. And then you got a, the other one who's the story of the game and absolutely dominating. Um, so, you know, is John Robinson a genius because he got Weaver in the fourth or is he an idiot because he got Des Fitzpatrick in the fourth? Like, I mean, it's, it's two picks within a few of each other um, that, you know, it, it that's why you can't judge a, a GM slowly on one pick. But anyways, uh, it is very exciting to see what Weaver's doing because he's a very different type of edge rusher from what they've had. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see if he carries it on against the Bucks. Um, he'll be obviously be a guy that will have a lot of eyes on him uh, this week as they head into that game and during the practices. Zach has got a great article up again, which we've been discussing uh, five storylines to watch as the Titans head to Tampa. Again, you can find that at broadwaysportsmedia.com. The Titans are playing Tampa in Tampa at 630 on Saturday, and you'll have multiple channels to find that on. So I'm not going to tell you where to find it. You know, it's on you. Um, So let's pull back to the AFC South because Tim Tebow, it's finally come. After a couple of disastrous block attempts, I guess they were, because they, they, I don't even know that you'd call it an attempt, uh, but Tebow got some action in, in their preseason game, and he was put out on the field to do some blocking action, and he did a little of that, and subsequently was cut this week by Jacksonville, which led to a lot of really hilarious takes around the league by a lot of blue check marks about, oh, the amount of camaraderie he brought to the locker room and just what an upstanding citizen and this had to be tough just dude just fucking cram it the guy's gone this is exactly what we expected out of washed up quarterback mike since this is your last episode feel free to start tell me about tim tebow well let me just say uh troy aikman's uh tweet and i'm uh i'm finding it here albeit a short tenure don't discount the impact Tim Tebow had in Urban Meyer with his locker room culture. And knowing the respect Urban has for Tebow, this release sends a message to the team that this is business. Get out of here, Troy. He was a six-string tight end. He was a six-string tight end who everyone knew had no business being there. If anything, I think it sends a message to his locker room that, T- that Urban is willing to give everyone who's like one of his little pets, uh, you know, out there a chance 
and, you know, bring them in even over more deserving and more qualified individuals. Um, so if anything, it tells them that it's not an equitable situation out there. And it, it was a total waste of time. Look, Tim Tebow may be inspirational to a lot of people, and that's fine. Like, if Tim Tebow gets you off, by all means, have at it, you know, get your Tebow Jags jersey and, and have, have a ball. Um, but he's a 34-year-old guy who had been playing minor league baseball for a decade, trying to play a new position. The players that are in that Jaguars locker room don't give a shit about Tim Tebow. Like, let me tell you this. They don't, they aren't listening to him. They aren't looking at him and saying, oh my gosh, that's Tim Tebow. What a, like, I'm so starstruck. They're starstruck by Trevor Lawrence. They're starstruck by, you know, guys like that. Not, not Tim Tebow, who is, you know, is, is he, he's washed. He's like, what are we doing here? Um, what a waste of time. What a waste of energy. What a waste of money for everyone who spent money on a Tim Tebow Jaguars jersey. Like, I, you should be ashamed of yourself <laughs> if you Good. sank money into that nonsense. Uh, and and look, shame on PFT, too, for coming out. And uh, they <laughs> dared old takes exposed with the tweet, but basically said, you know, Tim Tebow is going to make the roster. Tim Tebow is going to have a uh, going to make a role out of himself on this team. It it's going to happen. It's inevitable is what he said. And it's like, uh, yeah, he got cut during the very first cut, like one of the bottom five guys on the 90 man roster. So yeah, let's just never let's agree. We're never going to be interested in Tebow ever again, no matter what he does, you know, go have a media career, do whatever you want, but we're not going to be interested in him playing sports. He's not going to make it. He's not. We're we're done. What's he going to try hockey next? I mean, what just I, I just ridiculous. And this this whole thing and the people defending him, the people, you know, it's just re, it's it's just ridiculous. What else can you say? I mean, it's I'm I'm glad it's over. I hope at least hope it's over. <laughs> like I, I just never bought into anything about this. I, I, you know, I would, I did say jokingly that, you know, of course, if he does make the roster that, you know, he would catch touchdown against the Titans, but you know, don't even get to see that Twitter meltdown team. Tebow gave me nothing except for those two blocks. And one of them, he technically did block the guy when he was break dancing, but they were both bad. Like it was awful. And, you know, I wish, I wish they would have held a roster spot for him just because that means there's one talented player or semi-talented player that wasn't going to make the roster. And it would have been awesome. And and I was here for the utter chaos of him catching a touchdown against Tennessee Titans because it would just been nice. It would just been a fun day on Twitter if that happened. Well, and that's what I was looking forward to. And that's why I have to call myself out because I said he would make the team and score a touchdown against the Titans. But I wasn't basing my opinion on his skill set was going to get him on the team. I was convinced Urban was going to find a way to cram his ass into the final 53. But I guess when you go out and you just fall down on the field instead of blocking people, that's a little too much, even for old Irby. Um, I, I got to call out another tweet, Mike, because you definitely referenced the one that I loved the most um, about it, it, it just talking about what a locker room presence he was, dude, I'm sorry. That's crap. And you're dead on about these college kids don't care. Could you, I really hope that there's footage of, of 
Tebow giving some sort of locker room speech and then getting cut by mid-August because that would just be fantastic. I would play that on a loop in the Titans locker room. But some gentleman by the name of Aaron Torres, who's a host at Fox Sports Radio, tweeted out, Twitter, colon, mental health is of our professional athletes is paramount. Also, Twitter, LOL, look, Tim Tebow getting cut. Good. I mean, are you kidding me? Is Tim Tebow the first player to ever get cut in the NFL? And you're really going to try to loop this into people are laughing because a guy got cut is us disrespecting the mental health of athletes. Bro, this ain't the same thing. Not at all. All right. It would have been against our mental health collectively as a fan group if this guy had made the team because we all are mentally losing our minds about you all that want to defend this hack. And I'm sorry, he's a hack. I know people love to stand behind whatever his values are. He's a great guy and blah, blah, blah. I, you could blow me with all that because I, I, I just think that this is a business that's entertainment and everybody else wants to defend the entertainment aspect until you come across a guy like Tim Tebow that everyone must, wants to make all the excuses for besides the fact that he can't play football. So Bon Voyage ass, I'm glad he's gone. And if you bought a Tim Tebow jersey and you're a Jags fan, enjoy it. Lather yourself up in mayonnaise like you do every year to try to make fun of a team that doesn't even have anything to do with mayonnaise. Jacksonville sucks. Tim Tebow sucks. <laughs> they were perfect for each other. They're perfect for each other. And, and I'm I'm glad to see it come to such an inconsequential end exactly the way it did. It's wonderful. Um, speaking of fan bases that suck, uh, the Rams started off their first home game in just spectacular fashion by beating the absolute shit out of each other in the stands. And I will say that for some reason since the pandemic, fan fights that we've been seeing in the stands at baseball and now football, they've really stepped their game up. They're a lot more entertaining. It's not just two guys that swing a couple of punches and then they hug it out till, till security separates them. This Rams fight in particular has so many things going on during the actual brawl that it's wonderful. And all I can tell you is that you know a, a, a lovely gentleman in a 99 jersey gets his butt punched, gets soda thrown on him, by by a chick two rows down who instigates the whole thing if you haven't seen this video you got to go watch it it's wonderful fans keep beating the hell out of each other so we could talk about it it was amazing um i very much enjoyed it there were so many parts to it too like it, it the best thing about some of these videos to me is like focusing in on a different person each time you watch it so you just get like the the fight through their point of view and there's this guy that like he's clearly just trying to sit there he's not associated with either of the groups that are fighting and he's just trying to sit there and watch uh you know the game and at first he's like all right these guys are just yelling at each other whatever i'm just gonna sit here and try to enjoy the game but then the fight like starts to happen in front of him in the guy the guy in the 99 jersey uh, who tried to swing an entire row of people. <laughs> with yeah, a he almost like, hit all of them too. I was he, almost hit, he actually almost succeeded. I was impressed. Uh, as he gets pulled over the row, the guy in the seat, it just sticks his foot firmly in his ass and pushes him pushes over him. down, down the road to get him out of his space. It was phenomenally like hilarious um <laughs> and then there's like the second fight there was like actually two fights there's a guy in the 99 jersey and then there was another fight with a, a another guy um that happened in the aisle next to the main fight um 
it was just so much going on. And like the guy in the 99 Jersey did get his ass kicked. Cause like you, there's video where you can see his face as he's like going back up uh, the aisle towards the exit. And I mean, he's got like blood, like he's puffy. He's got blood. Like he is, he has got his ass kicked. Um, but yeah, I do love it. Uh, I love uh, all these fan fight videos. I would now listen. I like watching it from afar. I don't like it happening near me. Like if I was at a game and this happened, I would be pissed. Right. So I, I get that point of it, but um, as, as someone who just enjoys stupid entertainment, yeah, these are stupid entertainment that I can uh, really get behind and get some good enjoyment out of for, uh, you know, 15 minutes, just watching all these uh, people make asses of themselves in public setting. And it all started from like a second cup thrower. It was like, it wasn't even yes. anybody associated with it. It was this, uh, someone called her Ursula uh, because she, she was wearing like black and white and everything kind of like uh, from little mermaid just threw it right at her or right at him. And he turned around and just went wild. And it was, it was, there's so many layers to it. It's just one of those fights where you see it from different angles and then you see, you know, what all's going on? Where was this guy's buddies? I, I feel that at one time the camera kind of shifts and you see some guys while this guy's being dragged, um, you know, and they're punching him in the butt or whatever they were doing, <laughs> which, which come on, get, guy gets a better aim than that. And um, the, I felt like there was a guy over there, but I think he was just standing there watching his friend get the crap beat out of him. And I feel like that guy plus one of his buddies could have taken out those four or five guys because this guy almost took them all out by himself at one point before the damn numbers game got him. Yeah, he he definitely looked like Sauron swinging that mace at the beginning of Lord of the Rings, like just spraying, but trying to spray bodies everywhere as he was swinging at that row in front of him. I, I got to point out butt puncher, okay? Because I feel like butt puncher is the guy that jumps in on the quote fight, got his shots in, and he's definitely the guy who's talking the much shit, that the most amount of shit at the end of the night in front of a beer. I mean, am I wrong? As he's retelling the fight, he's retelling it that he was in the fight when in reality he, he slugged on a couple of cheeks. He's, yeah, he's, he's going to literally just say, I beat some dude's ass at the Rams game tonight. <laughs> literally beat some guy's ass <laughs> literally beat some guy's ass it's wonderful you got to go see this video if you have it it really is a multiple layers to it and mike pointed out the guy who double foot foot shoves the main opponent of this fight down into the row basically like bro if you're gonna get your ass kicked go do it in the row in front of me it's fantastic so definitely definitely go check it out um mike i gotta bring up jacob eason because you had tweeted out that he sucked out loud. Um, now, quite a few fans seem to disagree with you. And of course, if you go up, go and look up Jacob Eason. Uh, my favorite is the Indie Star has an article up that says, after a stellar preseason de debut, Colts Jacob Eason delivers the finest practice at camp. I mean, it's the Indie Star. But yeah. Mike, are, are, are you wrong, possibly? Or did he suck out loud? Look, he had he had some good moments, right? Like this is Jacob Eason, and this is this is who Jacob Eason is. And it, this isn't my comp. This is someone that uh, actually responded to me on Twitter and and said it, but it reg registered to me that this is exactly right. He's Zach Mettenberger. Like, remember, we all saw Mettenberger have moments, right, where it was like, wow, look at him. He's six six. He's two thirty five. He's got a cannon arm. Some of these throws he makes just are like breathtaking, right? It's like, wow, look at that. And, and Eason had some of those throws in that game too, but 
the moment any sort of pressure comes to towards Jacob Eason, and this was true of Zach Menberger too, everything falls apart and he just makes crazy decisions and throws the ball wildly and, and just look, you've got to learn how to deal under pressure in the NFL if you want to have any sort of success. And I did not think Eason was great uh, or stellar in that game. He was what he usually is. He was a roller coaster, like one throw. He's making a whole shot. That's beautiful right over the shoulder to his receiver. The next throw he's throwing it five yards behind a guy on a, you know, short crossing route and making him turn around and almost getting picked off. Like, it is the same Jacob Eason. He's scattershot. His decision-making breaks down under pressure. He sucks. He sucks. He's Zach Mettenberger. The Colts will go O for whatever, how many games he starts. Like, I, I don't care what it is, who it's against. They're going to lose every game he starts because he can't handle it at the NFL level. He can't hack it. He's just not good. He's a bad quarterback, and I don't care what PFF graded him. He sucks. Yeah, PF, he sucks. PFF grades ultimately – are a lot like DVOA. They are, they're only good for when they fit your narrative because I have a hard time believing that these hot take artists that have inf that PFF has suddenly become are really focused on the numbers and the data, right? I feel like they got some interns uh, doing these stats and compiling these numbers. And these interns are probably just don't care because they're getting paid. Right. And nobody's double checking the work. Same thing like DVOA football outsiders. Don't trust them anymore. They they put out the worst takes every so often. Now, listen, I'll use their stats when they fit my narrative, and that's about it. But that's what everybody should be doing. Only only get stats that fit your narrative and ignore all other stats. Um, no, but really, I just don't trust any of those guys. You know, I trust Warren Sharp. I trust Cynthia uh, Freeland. I, I trust some other data heads more than I trust these guys because these guys have just turned into utter crap. And I can't trust it. I mean, if you're really telling me that Jacob Eason was some great person, a great quarterback, I, I just I have a hard time believing it. And listen, I didn't watch the game. Don't care to because I really don't care about the, the, the Colts backups or anything. I just have a hard time believing after what I saw on Twitter from various people that he just wasn't good. And then he comes in because his yards per attempt were really high and he uh, didn't have any turnover worthy plays, supposedly all that stuff gets factored in and can affect a score on a limited sample size. You play a whole game that probably all changes, right? You play a whole game versus NFL caliber caliber starters. That whole storyline changes. All, people only see what they want to believe. It's like Justin Fields. It's like Trey Lance. We, oh, we're all right about Justin Fields. Look at how he played. He played. He had maybe two or three good plays out of the handful that he played. Justin Fields was not that great. Trey Lance made a lot of mental errors and mistakes, but he had that 80 yard bomb that was wide open. <laughs> like there's just, it's just, you know, people want to see what they want to see. People want the people that, you know, they put their stock in to achieve. I think, and I listen, I don't give a crap about Corey Davis playing for the New York jets. I'm not rooting for Corey Davis. I kind of thought Zach Wilson looked the best out of everybody in week one. That could totally change when it comes down to it. That could totally change this next week. Zach Wilson could look like crap. It's just going to change every week. I think crowning people this early, these quarterbacks, especially, I mean, Jacob Eason is technically a rookie. He never really played, and there was no preseason for him to ever partake in last year. So he's technically a, kind of a second-year rookie. 
I'm just not here to crown people and believe in PFF as some be all end all. I think I think you got to use all these stats in aggregate and figure out what's actually true and what's not true. You yeah. got to combine. You have to combine stat use with your eyeballs. Like it drives me nuts when people just go off what you saw on the field and refuse to look at any stats. And on the other side of the coin, the exact same thing. If you just go off stats and refuse to look at what you watched, it's it's both in front of you. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating to me when people go, well, he graded at PFF at uh, 50, so he must not have had a good game. Well, look, I PFF is what it is. Like, I just – the grades to me are almost useless at this point. Like, I, I don't care about them at all. Now, their stats and stuff that they track I will use because they do have some stats that are interesting that I can look at and use just generally, not, not be all end all. But if I want to see, you know, how disruptive a pass rusher was and I want to see how many hurries they're getting, like, like, look, it's not going to be perfect there either. Like sometimes they're going to consider something a hurry that maybe shouldn't have been or that or vice versa. But it is on aggregate and a large enough sample size going to be pretty close on the stat side of things. The grades, I have no idea because that's all just made up bullshit to me. Uh, I Like I just... I don't, I don't, I still to this day don't understand how they're grading off of TV copy in live real time. Um, I don't understand, you know, how they're doing some of this shit. So it, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to ignore the grades from, from here on out. If anyone sends me PFF grades, great, whatever. I, I'm Blocked. ignoring that. Yeah. Immediate block. Immediate um, block. But it is, uh, yeah, it's just, it, PFF is yeah definitely taking a turn towards the hot take um a look at me attention game and I don't appreciate it um and consider them less than for it so uh, that's uh that's where I'm at with PFF these days well I mean you know according to Mike Jacob Beeson sucks out loud but according to the Indy Star he looked like a quarterback confident in not only his physical prowess, but his ability to process everything happening in front of him with ease. Like look, someone actually wrote this article, not as an opinion piece. The, look, this is the same guy that was getting pushed by seventh round quarterback, Sam Ellinger. And Sam Ellinger was taking first team snaps last week. He sucks. Eason sucks. This is what it is. Mike. Yeah, I, I just, I just have a hard time believing that he really deserved that 91 grade and really, okay. Even if he did this 90 something grade that he got, it was only for like a half, like that could easily change in the second half when he's getting blitzed and all this stuff. I mean, like we gotta, we gotta be realistic here. I'm not looking at the grades or anything on, on any of the Titans players. I don't care. I know that a lot of people love to see uh, Rashad Weaver, you know, was an or Miller Forstall was a 90 something like Miller Forstall is probably not making this team. He did some help to make him maybe make him stick, but he still got a long ways to go to surpass Luke Stocker, surpass even Tommy Hudson, like PFF grades do in the preseason literally do not matter. What you see matters. Your unbiased opinion matters it's it, it that is where it all stems from because like i don't care whether justin Fields succeeds i don't care whether trey lance succeeds back jones any of these guys but when you go back and look at the tape i think that you would probably lean towards probably zach wilson looking best and probably trevor lawrence looking the worst which is fine by me 
either way. I mean, I'm, I'm glad, that, but Trevor Lawrence probably won't stay that way. And Zach Wilson won't stay that way. Like it's preseason one. And I'm, I, I got, I'm not going to focus on every NFL team. I'm going to watch a few storylines, a few different games, but Unbiased opinion matters, and I think unbiased opinion showed when Logan Woodside did way better than Matt Barkley if you watched the game. If you looked at the throws that Logan Woodside made, granted, he isn't his yards per target or yards per attempt are not as high as Matt Barkley. But he also didn't have the time that Matt Barkley had behind the pocket. Let's let's be honest here. So that kind of stuff, contextual stuff matters. And let, let me say this just to wrap up on uh, a Titans thing. Get well soon, Aaron Brewer, because my God, Daniel Munger sucks so bad. He is so bad. Like, I, I don't I don't know what they're going to do if if Brewer can't be ready for week one at, at the backup center spot. You just got to pray that Ben Jones, you know, if you have to tape Ben Jones's legs together to get him to be out there and like he's got to be like dragging a leg or like a tape one arm taped to his body so it doesn't fall off. Like, that's just what you're going to have to do because Munyer is terrible. Um, and that's that's going to continue to sabotage their, their preseason, by the way, too. I mean, like, Woodside was getting destroyed in the pocket, generally right up the middle, right? I mean, it was always something coming free up the middle. And that's where Munyer is, is in charge of getting them in the right protection against these blitzes that Dean Pease was throwing at them. Um, and, yeah, Munyer just can't do it. He's bad. So get well soon, Aaron Brewer. And also one other offensive line point, Dylan Radens thought was really good. Yeah. When I mean, he really made good. the switch to his natural position yes. of right tackle, he looked a 10 times better. He looked much better at tackle than guard. And this is not a cause for concern or pull the alarm like it was with Isaiah Wilson, because if you uh, followed Easton Freeze, who's a new contributor over at broadwaysportsmedia.com, he also uh, has this article up about observations from open practice. But he showed video of Dylan Raiden staying out on the field while everybody else is either throwing the autograph balls or whatever they're doing, practicing. And that's what you want to see. Dylan Raiden's is not in danger of being cut, but he wants to contribute and wants to crack the starting roster. He's going to do that by being a right, t- right tackle. They, 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 I, I get it. They're trying, I guess, make him a swing tackle, I guess. Well, they, I don't know if want- it's. I think this is what they're. I think this is what they're doing with the backup offensive line spots. They don't have any good backup interior players besides Brewer, who is going to be your backup center. I think they're going to want Sambrello, Lamb, and Raidens. You know, whoever uh, out of that group and Questenberry, whoever out of that group is not the starter at right tackle. They want all of those guys to be able to back up interior and exterior spots, so that they can you know put their best guy. Their best, their sixth best, best offensive lineman in at any of the spots on the line outside of center. And, um, and I get that. I just don't know if I would do that with Dylan Radens per se. Yeah, and, here, and here's why: yeah. is just because you don't want him to struggle at one spot and succeed at another, but take time away from building upon the success. Right? I mean, if I was a coach, I would be building upon the success of right tackle because that's what you want him to be. You want him to be the future at right tackle, not necessarily the future. I don't know, swing tackle, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I hate, yeah. I hate putting players in a position, especially young players in a position where they're not succeeding and to keep them there just because you feel that's where you may need them. If Kendall Lamb and Tyson Brelo can do that, then that's fine. 
there's no reason to really play the game with Dylan Raidens like that. Just keep him as your right tackle and build upon success. That's yeah, just my I, personal opinion. And, and they yeah. may do that going forward. We don't know. I, I don't I don't know. We we haven't heard and, any practice reports. And I wonder if Raidens does start to inch into that right tackle battle. Cause it, at first he was struggling and he just wasn't in the mix there. But he I thought he was good in the preseason. And look, there are some things. Here's here's what I liked about watching Dylan Raidens in that preseason game. It, it looks like an athlete. Like when they got him out on the move on some of those outside zone blocks really moves well, like really moves well. And, and that stands out. Um, he looked like he had some good anchor. He had a really nice uh, two on two on one blitz pickup that, that showed some good awareness at right tackle. It looks like that's his more comfortable spot, right? Um, the sack that I think he quote unquote technically gave up really wasn't on him. Uh, Quessenberry was beat around the edge that forced Woodside out of the pocket. And only after Woodside left the pocket did uh, Raiden's man come free and get, get a chance to sack him because he Woodside changed the angle uh, and Raiden's didn't have an angle to protect him anymore. So I don't, I didn't think, you know, that was really on him. Um, but yeah, I thought he looked good. I, I thought his run blocking was good. He did miss a combination on one of the outside zone plays. Um, so it wasn't perfect. Like there's still some assignment stuff there, but physically, he absolutely belongs in the league. Um, and it's only a matter of time before he gets there. Cause he, that's the difference, right? Like you mentioned the thing with him staying after practice at Nissan stadium, that is key because he is physically capable of being an NFL tackle. And he clearly wants to put in the work to get there. So for a guy like that, that has the physical ability and the want to, it's only a matter of time before he is a starting tackle for this football team and probably a pretty good one, I think. So, I mean, if you've got the mentality, if you've got the physical talent, that'll take you a long way. Um, and, and I think Raiden's is going to get there. And this preseason game was very um, positive for me for from a Dylan Raiden standpoint. And it makes me feel better about that pick, both you know, contributing this year and, and moving forward for sure. Really just a bunch of positives. I mean, you could stack up about 30 positive things that we we saw from that team. And it, it's it was probably one of the more fun, I guess, preseason games to watch yeah. uh, in a while. I mean, I'd say maybe the last Logan Woodside start was actually, or the last Logan Woodside playing time preseason game was, was pretty fun because he was just out there slinging it. Uh, but, you know, it was it was a good it was a good preseason game and I'm I'm still looking forward to this one. I'm still excited. I'm very excited for preseason. Mike, we come to that point of the podcast. We have to say goodbye and make this as awkward as possible on your last episode. So obviously, if you've been living under a rock, Mike announced uh, that he is leaving Broadway, leaving the podcast because. He needs to take some time for family and a company he started. Uh, totally, we we totally get that. And uh, you know, I got to say that. I mean, we we started this podcast a few years ago as just kind of a a humorous take for our fantasy football buddies, and then we we kind of got pressured a little bit into look, you're kind of good at this. Why don't you keep recording? And it's it's turned into something that I I didn't think would ever go as far as it has into a, a you know a radio show that we do and the thousands of people that download and listen to us. I, I, a lot of that is attributed to how well you write and how well-spoken you are and well detailed you are on football as a whole. 
and, and you, you, the number of comments that I saw on Twitter of people that assumed you went to school for this, assumed you, you know, did this professionally all the time and that it was not, you know, kind of a, a secondary, I mean, a hobby basically is what we've, we've all been doing this as. And the number of people that reached out to say, listen, you know, follow you from Croatia, Japan, overseas was, was kind of stunning to see, man. It really was. And that's attributed to the way you write and the way you speak on here. And I, I, I'm sure I'm speaking for Zach on this before he even gets to say his piece, but I, we're going to miss the hell out of you. And anytime that you're watching a game and something comes up and you just can't resist, just fire up the mic and put on the headphones and tell us I'm, I'm going to be on this week. Cause I've got to discuss this. Like I can't ignore this, but seriously, from the bottom of my heart, we're going to miss the hell out of you on here. And, and you you're welcome back anytime you want anytime. The, uh, the amount of people that, uh, in your Twitter feed that said they Googled you before they even joined Twitter to see your tweets. Very odd. Like that is just, yeah, so I was surprised odd. by that. <laughs> that was a alarmingly number of people that have said they Googled you just see your tweets. And then they just joined Twitter because of you, right. To see your tweets. I, they figured I really easy. need to reach out to Twitter about getting my uh, payment from them yeah. for uh, bringing all this, <laughs> uh, these users to their table. The, the amount of people, and, and they're correct, and we'll probably uh, it'll sting a few people that listen to the podcast or in the media world, but they'll, 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 they, you saw it. There, there's hundreds of people that said that you were the, the best person to cover the Titans, and you were. It was my honor to argue with you over shitty wide receivers, <laughs> over bad coaches that you thought were good, over <laughs> plays. It was, it, I, there won't be anybody that can argue with that can stand their ground like you can because. <laughs> You know, I now, uh, for those who may not know, but they may have seen me be more active on Broadway sports media writing articles, you know, I now have to play a little bit nicer with the followers, just a little bit. I have to, um, you know, write more, which means I, for the first time in a preseason game or for the first time for any game, was this preseason game where I actually took a running list of notes on my phone <laughs> while I was watching it. Um, uh, very different, you know, I ha had to bring back my shorthand and stuff, but you know, we've had a quite a couple of different people, you know, want to audition for your spot, uh, that one that said that, Hey, you know, if you need a third co-host, you know, I'm here there, there's, it's going to be, I know you guys may get tired for over the next 17, 18 weeks of hearing just me and Lebowski. We'll try to have some guests on to break it up. But it's not the same. I, I I can't get the same interaction from you, the same natural back and forth, the same discourse and the intelligent opinions that I can from you from anywhere else. And you know, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. Um, not gonna lie, I'm a little got a little emotional when you left the Broadway Sports Dynasty League without telling anybody yesterday. Now I got this. Mike Herndon has left the league. I got a little I got a little miffed. When you start giving away your Broadway sports media merchandise in the in the Slack channel, you know the, you know you may need that. You may be on a podcast. You may be on this. Uh, you know our our podcasting isn't going to change. You know we'll we'll still be around. We're still going to provide you as I'm going to try and give you the same smart analysis that Mike gave. It won't be for the the same level, but it'll still be the best Titans podcast around. It just won't be at the same 
it just won't be the same without you. And it'll be, it'll be tough going forward. Uh, Lebowski will probably quit in a few weeks when he's tired of hearing me talk and it'll be done. (laughs) Well, guys, um, sincerely appreciate all the kind words and everything. And like, you know, it's, it's been an incredible amount of fun getting to do this with you guys over the last, um, gosh, how long have we been doing this now? Five years. I feel like yeah, like four, four or five years, which is crazy. Um, starting from, uh, Zach's, uh, man cave and then briefly heading into the garage and then heading, uh, you know, remote, uh, during like COVID and all this craziness, um, since we've been doing it via zoom, but, um, it's been a ton of fun. Um, you know, I kind of like the podcast, like, you know, my writing thing started as something that I never, I, I never meant to get into it. Um, you know, I, I do have my day job. I'm, I'm an engineer. If anyone wants to know, I've, I've, you know, had a few people ask. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer have been for 15 years. Um, and, uh, you know, have, I do own my own business now, which has been going for a few years and on the back burner as we kind of built things up, but it has been full time for over a year now. Um, and it's, uh, you know, growing and obviously adopting our son, um, you know, last year and he's now, uh, old enough to where he's running around the house and just destroying things at all times. Uh, so, you know, anytime that I have, that is not, uh, that I'm not working, basically I'm chasing him around. Um, and I love doing it. Like being a father has been everything to me and and like, it's been life-changing in like all the best ways. Um, and you know, I'm excited to get to spend time with him and, and get to watch football with him and not have to be like, all right, well, I've got to go jump on a halftime show or I've got to, I've got to go, I've got to take some notes so I can write off of this later. Or, I've, or as soon as the game ends, I'm writing winners and losers. And, you know, like, look, it was an honor to get to do those things. And, um, you know, obviously I love doing it. Um, otherwise I wouldn't have been doing it for as long as I have. Um, but you know, I, I do look forward to kind of just being a fan and getting to watch and enjoy, um, football Sundays with, with Dominic and, uh, and Shelby and, and, you know, his, we've got, uh, his little cousin, uh, you know, and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law that, that, you know, we like to get them together and be able to, to hang out with each other. And, and I'm just excited to be able to relax and, and watch games with them and kind of enjoy it um, more than I could doing the writing thing. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's bittersweet for sure. Because like, while I'm excited about that, like I've loved doing this for, for so long. And, and like, I, I started to get into it and then got sidetracked. Um, this started as a hobby. Like I was just commenting a lot on music city miracles and me and Justin Graver, um, and, and some of the like old MCM crew, like we would just get into like these debates on, on articles and, and stuff like that. And, and, you know, people enjoyed my contributions there, I guess. And, and just uh, at some point, Jimmy, uh, Morris posted that they were looking for help and people encouraged me to, to put in for it. And I was like, well, you know, maybe it wouldn't be a bad deal to, to get to write a couple things here and there. And that would be kind of cool. So I did that and Jimmy was nice enough to give someone with zero writing experience uh, besides writing like, uh, you know, what we used to call write-ups for uh, our fantasy football league, shout out to the uh, TPL. Um, but that was really my only real writing 
experience in the last, uh, you know, decade or so before Jimmy gave me a shot and it just kind of grew from there. And, and then, you know, I kept doing more and more and taking on more and doing, you know, radio hits and doing, you know, all this other stuff, appearing on other podcasts. And it just became a lot of stuff to do. Um, and, and, you know, as somebody who does have, you know, a, a lot of time commitments elsewhere, it just became kind of overwhelming. And, and that's why ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm just taking a step back. I, I don't want to be distracted from, um, you know, raising my son and always on my phone trying to write something or, or you know, do something, uh, you know, while I'm supposed to be, you know, enjoying him and spending time with him. So that's why I'm, I'm stepping away. And it's, um, like I said, very sad. I've, I've loved getting to be a part of the Titans fan community. And, and you know, I've, I'll still be doing that. Like, I'll still tweet and shit like that. I mean, I'll still interact. Every now and then I'll probably I want you to be more angry since I can't have to be less angry <laughs> and less uh combative. You need to step into more, that void fire, and be more fireballing. Yeah. 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 I might might do some more flame throwing on Twitter. Uh Major Mark West, I'm coming for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I might have to unmute you so I can uh I can figure out what I need to respond to. But uh yeah, it's uh it'll be fun. I'll still be on there. I'll, if I have like a particularly, uh, you know, take that I feel like is pent up, I may jump on here from time to time to let it out and, uh, and do that. But I am going to try to, you know, make my best effort to step away and not, not maybe watch preseason games two or three times, uh, moving forward so that I can, uh, you know, have a normal life and, and, and do, do stuff, uh, you know, with, with my family and, and grow my company the way that it should be grown. So, um, I'm excited for all that. Um, and you know, obviously I'll see you guys, see you guys around, uh, and hopefully be able to see you guys in person more often, yeah. uh, you know, moving forward. Well, I will say this, you know, I don't think people really understand. So I want to reiterate because you saw it in your, um, your replies. We don't get paid to do this. We have not gotten paid, uh, any well, we when we were with uh, SB Nation, we got paid like ten bucks each or something per episode. It was something right. pathetic. That's why you know Vox Media got into legal troubles and stuff. We we've been doing this for free this whole time. You've been doing it longer than us, right? But the all the articles, the the podcasting, the live streams, all this stuff is free. Not only have you been doing this for free, but since you've you've decided to step away. It takes to cover the articles that you're writing for Broadway Sports Media because I'm having to dole out and organize this stuff. It has taken four or five people to to take up what you did as one person. So first off, no one blames you that you got burned out if, if that was the case. But it, I mean, it literally you were doing the work of four or five writers and podcasting and doing a radio show and doing radio hits all for free. Like. Yeah. People need to realize that when they talk about, you know, like, what is that guy? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a, uh, pretty sure it's a fake account that Rex Greenman or whatever guy, whatever oh, yeah, his yeah. name is, yeah. you know, he's like, why are you guys writing about soccer? Well, don't read it. If you, if you don't care that we're writing about soccer, I, I don't, I don't give a shit. Like that's kind of why we're a little bit more different than I guess the rest of the podcast. Cause we don't get paid. I don't know which podcasts do and do not get paid, but we do this for, and I think it shows the love of the Tennessee Titans and the love of the sport. And, you know, 
your your love far exceeded ours because of all the stuff that you you did and and it's i think you get it wasn't a thankless job for you it was i think you got a lot of thanks and i think it shows how much you'll be missed and uh, i just wanted to say thank you for you know helping get this podcast off the ground uh writing all the articles you write i personally just want to thank you for everything you've done and totally understand why you're stepping away and, and hopefully you enjoy it. I'll see you in three years. <laughs> yeah. It's um, <laughs> you know, and, and I will say it wasn't so much like burnt out feeling. It was just that I, as the season approached and really the, I, like, I get the, like the timing was kind of weird because it's just as the season was about to get going and stuff like that. But during the season, there's just so much to do as far as writing and covering this team. And like, like I, I'm a person that's very much like I'm I like to be either all in or all out. Like I, I don't like to be half-assed. And especially with something that's like I feel like a work product, right? I mean, like if I'm doing it, I want and I'm gonna put my name on it, I want it to be fucking good. You know, that's that's where I come from, and that's that's just how I look at things. And so I quickly realized as we started to ramp up and as I started to write, you know, and started to go out to training camp and stuff like that, I was like this is just taking too much time and I I'm just not going to be able to do it. I, I can't do this to the level that it needs to be done for me to be happy with it. And I can't and at the same time, be able to be the father that I want to be and be, you know, and grow my business the way it needs to be grown. So it was just like, at some point you got to take, uh, you know, your time and figure out what you want to do with it and prioritize it. And, and that's unfortunately what I had to do here, but, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like going back to 2017, I guess, I, I don't know how many articles I've written, probably into the multiple thousands. Um, and, you know, the, a, a lot of those took many hours to put together um, or, you know, even days sometimes uh, for those film articles and stuff like that. The amount of time just watching, clipping, writing, all that stuff. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't love it. You know, like it, that's, that's why it is hard to step away from it. Cause even this past weekend, right after the preseason game, I was sitting there and, and I'd just be thinking about the preseason game and I'd be like, man, I, I, there's some stuff I want to write about it. You know, there's like, just, I never struggled for content as a writer because I always felt like there was something worth talking about or something worth, you know, laying out. Um, and, and it's just something that like, I know I'm going to still have the itch and I've just got to fight it because I know if I go back, if I go back in a little bit, I'm going to go back in full fucking hog. Like I have no self-restraint when it comes to this shit. And, and you never go full fucking hog. No, I've go. gone full, full fucking hog for the last five years now. And it's time to, time to go full fucking hog on something else. Um, it's basically the, the gist of where this is, but yeah, guys, like this has been so much fun. Um, the podcast is phenomenal. You guys are awesome. Um, I, I feel like we've gotten better as a podcast over the years and, and, you know, um, I I've loved the interaction with everybody that listens. Um, but especially just getting up and talking football with you guys, uh, you know, a couple mornings a week has been um, just a ton of fun. Like, and I, I'll miss that part of it. Um, but, you know, hopefully we'll get to do some of that in person when we're not having to record and, uh, and all that stuff too. So um, yeah, but anyways, yeah, I love you guys. Um, and yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back on at some point, uh, just not every week. That's it. 
It's going to do it for us at Football and Other Rough Words, but not permanently, as Zach said. Zach and I will be back next week and every week throughout the season. We've got plenty of more content to bring. And if we can drag Mike out of the basement every now and then when he's got some ridiculous hot take he just can't be quiet about, we'll definitely have it back on. But Zach and I got this. We're not going to bring in another co-host. Zach's already laid it out. But we, the two of us want to handle this. There is no replacing Mike. So we're just going to use that that extra space to bring in more guests and that type of thing. But we got plenty more for you. The football and other F-words, we're not going anywhere. Uh, we've been brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come check us out over there. And for Michael's final show, the farewell spinner Rooney, I'm going to let him say it. You've just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.